Welcome back to the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside... Zachary. Hello, everybody. And we're rolling straight into Season 5, Episode 1 yeah. of the Peaky Blinders. Can I say a disclaimer here real quick or uh, an apology? It's not really an apology, but... I mean, it's going to be like four seasons late, but sure, go for it. I've been referencing <laughs> Season 5 as Season 6 over the last few episodes and the upcoming season six as season six part two so my numbers are all left up but this is actually season five we're about to do some recaps and watch throughs of zach i have a cough drop in my mouth so if it starts to get annoying on the mic for some reason just let me know yeah okay candid um yeah so we're going into season five here we were on season one but with season six around the corner we wanted to actually catch up and do season five real quick and then we'll go uh and continue our watch through of season two after we're done with season five really we'll just go to two until season six starts yeah cool. i think so yeah so for those listening right now we've recorded season one and then we've jumped to season five and we'll go back to the rest so if you're absolutely in love with our voices and our opinions and our just our perspective on peaky blinders and just love that sort of thing please go back and listen to season one we promise we'll have season two through four up there very uh, soonish. Yeah, soonish. I mean, at at the very latest, April, end of April. Yeah, I was gonna say April. Yeah, because I think I think it's gonna come out season six in March. I mean, we might get back to season two and three like by the end of this month. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, never. Know. Anyways, um, I gotta say, I mean, I was rewatching season five, and I intended to just watch it one episode at a time, but. <laughs> I got roped in on Saturday, and uh, hold on, I got to sneeze. Boom. For those who didn't hear that, there was just an explosion off camera. I think it's the rug I, I got. Uh, you're still on mute, at least here. My bad. I wasn't on mute in the actual pod. I was trying uh, to save the audience from it, but uh, I couldn't. Didn't, it might didn't be work. the new rug I just put underneath my desk. Yeah, you did just vacuum. I thought you broke something over there like a moment ago. I'm not sure. I might move this rug out of here and pause this podcast for two seconds and <laughs> get it out from underneath my desk. Well, while you do that, just, just banter. I, yeah, I'll, I'll just banter. It's you know the one thing that I, I probably suck the most at. But anyways, uh, yeah, I, I forgot how much better season five was over seasons three and four. And I feel okay saying that because... If you're watching season five, I'm just going to assume you've seen seasons one, two, three, and four. But after after seasons three and four, kind of, I think it kind of had a lull. It wasn't as good as it could have been. Seasons one and two, they were they were pretty incredible. But um, yeah, we're finally back to to good Peaky, and this is it's really getting me excited for for the new season coming out. I think it's going to be. I think it's gonna, probably going to be one of the best. I don't know if it'll top one, uh, but we'll see. And for those of you who are wondering and just listening to this, I'm still just talking and saying random things until <clears throat> our second party comes back. He's hiding from his rug. So that's cool. But anyways, um, there is one thing that I will mention that I think I totally forgot 
it was actually in season one, so I'll probably apologize for it in season two as well. But I think um, I had called or, or thought that Billy Kimber's wife, if that's what she was, was a millionaire, but she, millionaire, but she was a milliner, which basically means she made hats. And what did you banter Mario's about back. while I was gone? I'm back. Uh, there was a lot. I mean, I just talked about how seasons three and four were kind of lacking, and season five is is much better. Getting back to the the uh, quality of one and two, and then I, uh, I was hope actually you hope you didn't put it too simply and just like you know, because that's that's all subjective. You know, some people may have preferred. Yeah, but for for the sake of the podcast, I think everybody speaking on this podcast has the same opinion, so I'm not worried about saying it. And uh, uh, any anybody I mean, watching I this, season exactly, one, two, and five, exactly. I think that they are stronger than three and four, but Absolutely. three and four are still like a top-ranked TV show quality. Yeah, they're not bad. They're just not one, two, and five. And then I was talking about how um, I think it was an episode what is it three or four of which season of the first season i might be totally wrong with which episode that was but i think it was i think it was episode three uh i i I made the mistake of saying that i thought billy kimber's again i think it was his wife i'm not 100 percent sure i thought she said she was a millionaire before she met kimber she said she's a milliner (laughs) <laughs> and that is basically somebody who makes hats, and that's that's what you came back into this. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so um, sorry for the long intro here, guys, but let's get into season five. Like Zach said, I do really think that season five is peaky at its at its best. Like it's 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 not the same Tommy from season one and two, the hustler. No, you get more of a grizzled Tommy who's kind of beaten down by the lifestyle that he's chosen. Mm-hmm. and path he's chosen for his life and for his family and um it opens on october 29th 1929 do i got the date right there 1929 is the correct year yeah which is black tuesday the day the stock market crashed before the great depression yeah so let's get into it without farther ado all right so I gotta say, I like I was saying before, on Saturday mm-hmm. I tried to watch episode one again, mm-hmm. but I ended up getting roped in. I ended up rewatching the whole seasons again, so I had to watch season episode one again today to write my notes because I did yeah, not do so you on forgot Saturday. To take notes, crazy. Taking my notes are very detailed, man. Mm-hmm. Very detailed. So it takes me like when it, if this is an hour episode, my notes take me two hours to do, you know, on on Peaky. So yeah. Anyways. Cinematography-wise, like I think the production, just the production quality of all of Peaky Blinders elevated to its peak in oh, season yeah. five, in my opinion. It's Pun just intended. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, cinema, <laughs> the cinematography is just beautiful. It opens up Tommy's riding a uh, a black horse across a field, heading towards a very just picturesque, very cinematic London-looking phone booth in the middle of this field. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's probably one of the weirdest things opening up to a phone. Mm-hmm. Ringing in the middle of nowhere. The yeah, payphone, yeah. mind you. I guess this well, is like a community phone for the farmers that may or may not live within 100 miles of the phone. I don't, I don't really know. I don't think so. I think this is actually something that Tommy probably paid for. 
but phone lines were not run like the way they are today. So yeah. this was the closest they could get it to, mm-hmm. possibly. Or you may be right. It might be a public phone booth, but it, it seems it to be on it, his property. It is a payphone <clears throat> in a phone booth. It's gotta be. It's gotta be like like a community phone. I mean, I'm thinking back to like the little house on the prairie show, right? Didn't they get one that was like downtown or whatever, and everybody would use the same phone until they finally got it distributed everywhere else? I've never watched Little House on the Prairie. Are you kidding? Mm-mm. Wow. I don't think most people have who are going to listen to this show. Well, these people are losers and should stop listening to the show. <laughs> I think uh, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's a it's a good old classic show with Laura Ingalls and the, uh, the Ingalls family. Laura Ingalls. Let's not go into this. Bro, All she, right. She's a riot. Come on. You consider yourself Look, a you go... You find yourself a co-host of the Little House on the Prairie podcast. We're going to get back to the Peaky Pod here. Arthur calls Tommy on this very uh, community-owned phone booth here. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder, you got to be very patient when you're calling somebody on this phone booth. Because, you know, how long does it take them to walk to the middle of the field just uh, just to get to the phone? Well, Arthur's actually reading a letter to Tommy from the Angels of Retribution who are openly insulting the Peaky Blinders of mm-hmm. not having known them, really. And, yeah, never um, heard of them. Yeah, he's never heard of them. So you see Tommy hang up and flip a coin, which having just watched season one, season one ends with Grace giving Tommy pretty much like a, not an ultimatum, but she says, you know, I'm waiting for you at the train station. I'll be there for a week or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if she's going to sleep at the train station. She'll be in London for a week waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And Tommy replies in a letter and says, before the war, I used to flip a coin when I had an important decision to make. Mm-hmm. I know he's been flipping this coin for a bit, but kind of just reminded me, maybe you were seeing a bit more of pre-war Tommy. And I was actually watching a, um, kind of went into the YouTube rabbit hole and I saw an interview with Killian Murphy, mm-hmm. who plays Tommy Shelby, and uh, with Stephen Knight and with Karen Mandeback, who's the, I think the executive producer, because it's her production company who produces the show. Yeah. And Tommy was saying that in season five, you're actually getting more of a look at pre-war Tommy. Like, hmm. there's elements in season five, I won't get ahead of myself, that you're starting to see a more human Tommy here. I think maybe it's either the wealth or the success or maybe the, the confrontation with pure evil is bringing about that idealist that used to exist before the war who believed yeah. in, a, in a cause greater than himself. You're seeing that kind of Tommy in this season little by little. And the coin flip is kind of an homage to that in a way because he has a decision to make with the Angels Retribution in this uh, mm-hmm. in this phone call. And so, just uh, one other thing I mentioned while you were <coughs> away for a moment. Uh, I'm just going to assume that anybody watching season five ha- or listening to this season five uh, podcast has already gone through season one two one three and four so <clears throat> if you if you haven't, haven't spoilers yeah, are definitely ahead yeah uh, and i would suggest not listening to this because mm-hmm. we're going to reference things from one two three and four and with that being said yeah I, I think um towards the end of season four i believe it was he tommy like really kind of spiraled out of control uh if you can refresh my memory on some of the stuff that happens at the end of uh of season four so from what i remember at the end of season four i think he got shot again remember he just killed alfie 
and Alfie shot Tommy. Yes, okay, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We probably should have watched the season one through four recap. I of, did. Uh, well, I, I watched the actual season. so You did? Okay, then please yeah. take the lead on anything season four or three because I remember the big events, but I don't remember the sequence or what was the last thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's the last <laughs> thing that happens that's like really important with what we're seeing right now. It actually, uh, season four ends with the Shelby family going to the voting booths and him being elected into... Uh, what is it? It's the the House of Commons, I believe. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we see the start of his political career yeah. taking place last season, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. It's at the end of the last okay. season. Last, last season, episode. Where he, yeah, where Lizzie is pregnant and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's continue on here. Tommy makes a decision about the angels' of retribution and actually decides to send Isaiah, Abarama, and Finn uh, to go and pretty much send a message. But he makes it clear in as you'll see in the rest of the episode, it's becoming a theme with Finn. Yeah. That he does not Finn. He does not want Finn or any of the Shelby's involved with the soldiering stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now this is, this is before Tommy finds out about the stock crash. So we'll assume that his perspective changes when he, when the stock market crash happens and <laughs> we'll go more into that later. Yeah. Um, I will, I will say, I feel like we really, get a glimpse of Finn trying to fill John's shoes in this season. And there needs to be because the actor Joe who played John does does John all right, spoilers guys. I'm gonna count to three. If you have this is like the last alert for spoilers. This is the last time we're gonna say it. Three, two, one. Does John Boy die last season? Yes, he does. Okay. So Joe Joe Cole who plays John Boy wanted off the show. Uh, I guess he didn't see his characters getting enough shine. And he also got the lead in the Gangs of London show. Oh, did Uh, he really? Yeah, you don't remember? Uh, Is that who's in that? You didn't watch Gangs of London yet? I did. I just didn't didn't recognize it. I guess I watched it so far apart. That's John Boy uh, is the lead in Gangs of London. So I think his his own career took off. Yeah, that's a great show too. Which I wonder when season two is happening. Isn't it on HBO Max? No, it's on AMC. Dang it. Are you sure? I'm 100% positive. Okay. All right. Because I just resubscribed to HBO for something else. So got you, got you. I'll have to switch it. Well, we get, we get a look at Michael in Detroit here. Uh, sleeping like a little baby with his girl on the floor. Kind of like there's just lots of elements of like what's going on with Michael in Detroit. Having a good time over there mm-hmm. and just living the life. There's drinks everywhere. I think there was some Coke I saw I somewhere there. I saw some there. Coke, yeah. And he's awoken up. He seems to be living the party life. That's for sure. Well, yeah. He also got the girl on the floor in there. <laughs> not, for, not for long, right? I mean, yeah. he gets a call from whoever his people are mm-hmm. over there. I'm assuming the bank that he has the or the brokerage that he has their, the money from the Peaky Blinders and invested in. And he finds out that the market has crashed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cut to Polly, <laughs> also in a similar situation as her son in Monte Carlo, just having a good time with a young pilot named Peter. Yeah, he um he has his mouth full. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Um, what about the flying situation? Where was commercial flying a thing back then? Nineteen twenty nine. Think I get so. I mean, she's I flying with this guy. Like yeah. she she's flying back to Birmingham, but I don't. Maybe uh, I mean obviously, well, I wouldn't I mean, know everything from then. But we had 
a lot of i mean there's not like there wasn't a lot of sounds like aerial warfare back then right like that that was a thing so i would imagine it it had been commercialized that's a maybe jimmy later in the show will find some like some information on the the flying industry yeah you never know he might as long as apple doesn't lie to him with misinformation or something i think yeah 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 yeah. well um what was i gonna say we have a look at Pretty much Polly just living the life of Monte Carlo, which is a very ritzy part of the world anyways. So, uh, yeah, that's it just seems like everybody's living the lifestyle. And you get the sense that I actually wrote a note here. While you see Michael and Polly kind of just living the good life, mm-hmm. you know, you have Arthur and Tommy up at the crack of dawn getting just pretty much getting shit done for the Peaky Blinders. You yeah. know, they're, they're the ones doing the work and you still have, you know, Polly just enjoying it. Maybe she's on vacation, whatever, but it still seems the core of the gang goes back to Tommy, Arthur, and the guys doing the grunt work like Finn, Abarama, Isaiah. Based on how the last season started and ended, um, just to kind of refresh your memory, it involved the Black Hand and Luca Shangretta. Um, I'm probably completely butchering his last name, but anyways. No, you got it good there. it, it, It started off with, you know, like the family was already apart. Uh, because of things that happened and then uh they had to come together because they all had a common enemy right and so the moment that went away i believe they were planning on on parting ways again so i think i don't think polly's on vacation i don't even think she's technically working right now um she's kind of i think she's kind of like checked out a little bit from just what's going on well at this point there's really no need they're not struggling anymore what they're Mm -hmm. they're living off of the of pretty much the the fruits of their labor right Mm -hmm. they've already made it in a sense but you have um back in detroit you have michael informing arthur of the crash Mm -hmm. where he says because at this point we don't know but the peaky blinders have lost all of their legitimate funds through the stock market crash that was in the u.s they didn't lose everything but a lot Yes. Um, yeah. Jimmy just sent me a a link about commercial flying. So okay, got it. Let's it go. Commercial air travel actually began before the 1920s. It, really? It was 1914 when the world's first scheduled passenger service set off between Tampa and St. Petersburg. That's a really short flight. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or is that is that is it St. Petersburg in Florida or is this somewhere? It's I would doubt be. it would be Russia. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really short flight. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was supposedly the first, and it was piloted by Tony Janus. Mm-hmm. Tony who? Janus. J A N N U S. That sounds so familiar. I don't know. Well, let's continue with this montage, or we'll be here all night. Um, the montage continues here because all of this pretty much setting the scene for season five. Uh, you get a look at the Chinese slum or whorehouse that Finn and, and the boys are at. Uh, Finn disobeying Tommy's orders not to get in there is, is definitely going in with Abrahma and Isaiah. And Michael's actually getting ready to leave um, Detroit. Everybody's going to make their way back to London now because of the news coming in that the stock market crashed. And the Peaky Blinders have lost, although not a defined amount have lost a significant amount as tommy will go on to say that the bank offers them five cents to the dollar of everything that they had invested later on Mm. okay now abarama and uh 
Isaiah continued to charge forward to find the angel. I guess these are the angel's retribution. It's kind of foggy. I've had to rewatch this like several times, and I think that the Chinese are the angels of retribution, but I'm not 100% I'm, sure. I'm not 100% sure either, but I do think it's revealed to us later on in this season, I want to say. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't recall, but Finn does get shot in the arm here in the confrontation before Abarama is able to... Uh, pretty much and the target that's that they're going after mm-hmm. uh michael's girl also note here anya taylor joy major come up since appearing in season five she's become a freaking a-list star now since uh <laughs> since being in season five so i'm sure the budget went up for casting her yeah in uh season six wasn't she in uh queen's gambit she's the absolute lead in queen's gambit yeah. and carries the whole show and yeah. she's in a film with uh Oh God! Uh, Night in Soho, something like that. Um, with from the guy who made Baby Driver, Edgar. Oh really? Uh, Edgar, I'm blanking on his. Maybe his last name is Edgar, and I'm just blanking right now. But a uh, guy who made Baby Driver looks sick. I've actually been wanting to watch that for a minute now. But mm-hmm. that's the opening montage. Perhaps the best montage to open a season since season one, when you have mm-hmm. the classic. It's not really a montage. It's just the opening scene that really defines the character of Tommy Shelby and yeah. what you're what you're in for. Right? Yeah, and I agree. I mean, we definitely start off with a lot in the beginning of this. I mean, we're only like what 4 minutes in and there's a lot going on yeah. fast. Like I'm I'm struggling here to keep yeah. up with my notes and the stuff going on. I actually had to like reduce the speed here to normal just for a little bit. Yeah. But you have um the the episode pretty much opening after the montage with Finn getting the bullet removed from his arm from Abarama. Mm-hmm. and this is a direct result of disobeying tommy so uh yes. he wants to be a soldier he's getting the soldier's treatment right now he's acting and, like uh, a acting but, like a fool well he's not look i gotta say i mean i know i'm talking crap about finn but imagine yourself you're i'm assuming finn is like 12 here because he's you know so <laughs> no, i'm just kidding finn is uh at this he point looks he looks like 17 18 yeah. or something like that here right so your brothers are like legends okay Tommy and Arthur specifically, but it's interesting because all of Tommy's brothers have gone through this same insecurity that Finn is having right now about not contributing or doing his part for the gang. But, uh, so it's very understandable that he wants to fit in. He, he's trying to find his spot and he hasn't found it. And, uh, I don't disagree with him for getting, for actually going in and getting his hands dirty. I think it was, uh, Tommy would have done the same thing at his age. So I think it's, uh, not too bad. And it's actually a way for him to prove himself uh useful i'd say right mm-hmm. yeah Th- these men are not ever going to truly respect him if he doesn't get his f- his hands dirty so i'm i'm looking up right now what age he supposed is to be. supposed to be here and i think he's supposed to be about 15 so i mean we're we're, we're pretty, pretty close 15 I think so. I mean, Finn's I see ages some are all over the place in this yeah, show. Yeah, I know. Man. I see some conflicting answers here, but this says Finn was later confirmed to be 15 years old in the second half of the season. Um. Okay. Well, yeah. so I guess Ada's not is. having any of it. 15 or whatever his age yeah. is, but she's giving a lecture to Finn, which pretty much goes in one ear and out the other. It seems like about not needing to prove himself, and mm-hmm. that will be Finn's theme throughout the season. Right, I'm not going to divulge much, but that definitely seems to be his core thing throughout the season. Um, 
Meanwhile, back with Tommy and his family, he's gotten back to this, what seems to be a horse's funeral. And <laughs> yeah. um, they're burying the horse that that was his called Dangerous. And Johnny Dogs and the Gypsy Boys are all there uh, prepping what's going on. Turns mm-hmm. out that Tommy's boy's a bit more like him than we imagined. This is the son he had with Grace. Mm-hmm. And um, he understands Romany, which is what the gypsies speak. Well, and he overheard they, that Tommy killed the horse. Yeah, they, they call it Raka in, uh, in the show, but it is, it's Romany, um, <clears throat> Indo-Aryan language. I've never heard it spoken except for on this show. <laughs> so, uh, Tommy has a pretty much a, a sit down with his son who's not having it. I mean, he's, he's definitely a smart boy and he's very aware that his dad doesn't hurt just horses, but he hurts men. Mm-hmm. shoot people it's, for some reason it's one of the most memorable lines in, in this episode <laughs> right don't, yeah. don't you agree it's like it's so memorable the way he says it he says <laughs> what does he say i gotta say it. it's actually right here no it's what you do yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm like this is a new tommy too i mean because we're seeing yeah. tommy in fatherhood here yeah and it's like although he has his everything pretty much put together with his crew mm-hmm. he does his family life's kind of a mess to be yeah. honest, it, yeah. it really is. It it always is throughout this entire show. I think. Yeah. I like uh I like how Charlie's all dressed up in his little right. Everybody's in their suit. in their suit. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh. Well, Tommy continues anyways and delivers a eulogy that seems more like he's talking to himself. Uh. Where he says, "I'll just read it. Dangerous, my beautiful horse. Too wild to race. Wouldn't take the reins or the whip. Would have should have been a war horse. Got tired of the pasture." Couldn't mm-hmm. stick the peace and quiet. Gave up on life and is now free. He can't yeah. even finish by saying in the bleak midwinter without getting choked up, which yeah. kind of comes back to the whole, this is a different Tommy. Yeah. This is not the same Tommy from season one or two straight out of the war. This is a, I think, a Tommy who's kind of uh, struggling with his own humanity here in season five. And um, and we see why in another deeper way where they kind of cut to him uh, shooting the horse. There's a really dark visual, by the way, that that first wide shot with the horse with the bag over his head. Yeah. And um, as soon as Tommy shoots it, it's, he pulls the gun on himself. Yeah, uh, right away. Pretty much, this is the... Do we see any of this from Tommy in season four? These these suicidal no, tendencies? I don't, I don't think we saw any of that, honestly. I mean, he he was pretty drunk and doing i mean but i mean he's he's been drinking and doing drugs since season one right but he kind of uh he kicks it up though in season five in season five but he's also coughing a lot there's there is i think some fan rumors that think that maybe he has like lung cancer in the show because if you do notice in this season he is coughing a lot more but Hmm. it could just be an attrition of how much he smokes throughout his life and yeah the naturalness of what would happen if he did do that now Back to the suicidal thoughts and the tendencies and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a dark theme in this episode that is um, – it's it's something, I think, kind of in-depth that they're going into. But it, it, it may be – it's something that runs in Tommy's family um, mm-hmm. or it could be just an overall um, – I don't know. It's it's hard to explain because I think it has to be a lot from Grace, and maybe it has a lot to do with the opium usage that he's uh, that he's using. I think I think it's the latter and less the former because I don't re- remember anything like that with with his dad earlier on in, in 
the show. Yeah. Well, after the eulogy to the horse, Arthur arrives and breaks the news finally to Tommy here, mm-hmm. which um, I want to get back to this. Remind me to get back to why I think the stock market crash is actually a benefit for Tommy. Um, <laughs> and we find out that Tommy is just losing control of his family. Nobody's listening to to yeah, him as he gives that line. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I even put it in all caps. That's what but, I did too. It's literally yeah, in all caps. So I yeah. didn't miss it. <laughs> but he uh, he told Michael to sell, and Michael did not. So you have his family acting out against him that mm-hmm. are not listening to his orders. And sure enough, they're pretty much every the whole lifestyle is going out the window now. The interesting thing though is Tommy. I mean, he says here that he he knew it was coming. He saw it coming. So I'm, how did I he know? Wanna, I don't know. He he said he did. Yeah. I told him it was going to happen. I told him to, to sell. And he didn't. Well, I will say this. There was a... I noticed something with Michael. With Michael, it's like all the credit is either his or the fault is everybody's. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you have here, uh, when he breaks the news to Arthur, he says, we've lost a lot. Nobody. According to Arthur, you held on when Tommy told you to not hold on. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked... Tommy's the one who brought the whole family to the place that they're at today, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. who are you to actually say no to that order? It's completely Michael who's in the wrong. And I, I mean, just, ah, we'll get into Michael more later. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Tommy is kind of uh, not delusional. What's the word I'm looking for? He's delirious. Irritated. You know, he, <laughs> delirious. He keeps on saying Michael held on. Michael held on. I think he's just processing the stupidity well you go from michael Michael, has done yeah you go from michael being a perspective uh next man up to lead Uh, the gang right until mm -hmm. he betrays tommy by not telling him that he was going to be hit by uh by the italians right Mm -hmm. uh to save his mother understandably Mm -hmm. but he still should have told tommy right yeah he should uh considering I don't know. You just still find a way to tell Tommy. Maybe it's easy for me to say from my nice and comfy office chair, but it might uh, be, but you know, but Tommy's gotten himself out of rougher holes, especially in season two when he gets out of that (laughs) hole that was dug for him there. Yeah, that was, that was great. I can't wait to go back and record that one. Yeah. Well, after finding out about the stock market crash, Tommy heads off to do some thinking of his own, uh, which is, he does to Arthur's disappointment. Now, Arthur does the same thing that Finn does usually. He hates being left out in the dark. And he obviously knows that he cannot contribute to the business the way Tommy does, which is why everybody goes to Tommy in situations like this. They're Mm -hmm. not going for Arthur's ideas. It's Tommy who they go to for the strategy out of this. Yeah. We go to a beautifully shot scene of Tommy in the forest by himself, eating some leaves. I don't know what they are. Maybe mint leaves. They look like mint leaves to me. Yeah, I think they are mint leaves. I think that's just something you used to chew on or... Whatever, but yeah, well, he's also kind of like uh, chasing that down with some nice good opium, mm-hmm. uh, which brings up the specter of his dead wife Grace. And after watching this scene, this is probably the third or fourth time I've watched this scene. Mm-hmm. I never realized that it's actually the dialogue between Grace and him is actually about pretty much Tommy's talking to death, because Grace is essentially telling him, "Listen to the voices in your head," mm. which which are the suicidal um, thoughts he's having in the. And the scene where he kills the horse, right? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't pick up on that right away. But later on in the season, I feel like that becomes more obvious without giving away anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I get that. 
Yeah, well, she says it clearly here. She says, you know, you don't have to do anything else pretty much. It's just listen to the voices in your head. And it's really just, I think Tommy just kind of wants to clock out in a way. And uh, I think he's tired of the hustle and bustle. He can't sleep. He's not getting any comfort on this earth. And really, I think what it has to do with, and Stephen Knight talks about this um, mm-hmm. in response or in anticipation of season five. Actually, he's the writer of Peaky Blinders has always said that Peaky Blinders is about the redemption of Tommy Shelby. He says that very clearly. The whole show is about the redemption of Tommy Shelby. Mm-hmm. And it goes to the point where I was making earlier that this is season five is your you're seeing pre-war Tommy starting to show his face as opposed to the callous, hustling, ambitious Tommy Shelby you see in seasons one through four, mm-hmm. right? Here you see kind of one who's more beaten down, and it also goes to the observation I kind of, or my opinion I made of uh, of the stock market crash that came to me after I watched this scene with him and Grace, where mm-hmm. he says there's too much to do, the kids, everything. Tommy lives for his family at the end of the day. He supports yeah. everybody's lifestyle in the whole family. So without the stock market crashing, in my opinion, he kind of spirals down into the into those thoughts and into those uh, into those voices he's hearing in his head, probably due to the drug usage that he's that he's continuing to do because mm-hmm. he's depressed, probably. I would imagine so. So I would say the stock market crash gives him purpose again. It kind of like jumpstarts him into um, action mode, strategizing. I got to do something. We got to get ourselves out of the hole. Losing everything, we got to gain it all back. You get that edge back again, and you now have to fight for your family, for your lifestyle, all that kind of stuff that he's become accustomed to. So the stock market crash, in a way, keeps him busy. And that's a theme that goes throughout the season, but um, I haven't seen it clarified or anything like that in the season like that. But we'll see, like, once we get a few episodes more in. Yeah, the the only thing that I think I disagree with that you said there is, like, him disliking or hating like the, the hustle and bustle of, of everything and being tired. I do think he's, I do think he's tired, but I, I, I think he thrives with just having a ton of stuff to do because towards the end of season four, we saw him kind of falling apart because he had nothing to do. And that's why he got into politics. <clears throat> I just think it's a, always a progressive, uh, it's a gradual evolution each way. The, the higher you go, for power it's just it was inevitable that it had to go into politics i think Mm. it was just that things ran its course he's now he now has a legitimate business what's next i need more influence i need more influence with powerful people how do i do that i gotta run for office Mm -hmm. and he does it right because he's got to continue to legitimize his business make himself more bulletproof because the people who are who are running the country as the politicians half of them are more crooked than the than the crooks so it's just a different type of crime they're immune to it because they're the ones who are making the laws Right, as Tommy mm-hmm. says later in the episode. Moving onward, we uh, we see my favorite character oh on the show. Gosh, I know Linda, she- Arthur's wife, uh, snorting some coke off of. I thought it was Tommy's desk at first, but it's actually Arthur's desk. I think. Yeah, I think it's all Arthur's. Nice big office for Arthur, huh? Uh, I mean, you're doing well. He's he's the chairman or the doorman. Yeah, the um, doorman, as he says, right? Yeah. I mean, well, he Linda's he not happy with that, with though. No, she's not. But you know, I I also must say that she is like one of the biggest pain in the ass characters in this show. And Linda Linda the, is like a the the epitome of Mary Wisely, ladies and gentlemen, Mary Wisely. 
if you're a Linda out there, so you don't marry an Arthur. If you're an Arthur out there, so you don't marry a Linda. <laughs> but uh, Arthur seems to have finally, after four seasons, accepted himself, accepted his role within the family. Yeah. Finally. And Linda is not happy with this. But really, what I think it could be is that Linda's not happy with herself because she's like, she's one of these people who is just extreme about everything. If she's a Christian, she's extreme legalistic. Yeah. And doesn't make sense how legalistic she is. Uh, if she's a criminal, then she needs Arthur to be on top of Tommy. You know, she can't stop. It's extreme, extreme, extreme. Yeah. And really, she's out of place. She's And she's coked up out of her mind here. Yeah, that, that doesn't help matters at all. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think she's more disappointed <clears throat> with herself than necessarily with him because she's just kind of still there, still letting it happen. And she's not... She's not really stopping it, but at the same time, she's unhappy with everything going on. So, Well, speaking of being coked up, Polly comes in sniffling. I think everybody in this season's on coke besides Ada. Coke. Besides no. Ada? I don't think Ada's doing coke. I don't think, no. I don't think she is either. Yeah. I'd be surprised. By the way, not a glow up because she's always been pretty, but Ada's looking. I disagree. Gorgeous in this season. I know, you're not on the it, Ada In the train. first season, no, not at all. Terrible what yeah terrible about what the first season was not good with her you're talking about her character i'm talking about her look wow you're gonna make a lot of enemies on this show and i'm also gonna make a lot of people you know who think the same way right because they know what to think i disagree but hey i don't know that's the whole point of this feel free to disagree yeah, that's well, my perspective, I, and that's what I think. Not your cup of tea. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, anyways, they uh, convene a meeting because I forgot to mention this, but Tommy calls a meeting of the family here, mm-hmm. and uh, in the meeting, Arthur's doing his best impression of the chairman that Linda so desperately wants him to be, yeah, it and um, it's kind of a comical scene because nobody's taking him seriously, and we also have like this random guy who've never been introduced to, who's part of the, I guess, the legal side of the Peaky Blinders business. Yeah, I have no idea who he is. I've, we don't even know his name. Does he even introduce himself? I don't No, Not in here. I mean, I it like, is. it was inevitable, right? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we get a sense of who he is later, potentially. Now, I want to point something out here. Do you notice when Linda's on screen? Look at the camera angle they use on Linda as opposed to everybody else. Everybody else is on an even axis here. It's like mm-hmm. just it's flat, mm-hmm. right? And then when you get Linda, you get a you little notice, touch angle in there. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, in, yeah. Exactly. But it's not. But it's also it's off kilter a bit. Like she's she's not right. Something off with her at all times. And you see that go more aggressive in this episode. In that scene with Linda, and also in the scene with Tommy at the end with mm-hmm. the journalist. You see the pff, camera just goes like at a forty five degree angle. Yeah. On the guy. Yeah. Uh, it's really really sharp there. That's for yeah. sure. Arthur um, immediately kind of just goes back into dormant role when Tommy comes in uh, mm-hmm. as Tommy goes through the motions and <laughs> needs permission from the chairman. And Arthur is just so happy to be like, permission granted, Tom. Permission mm-hmm. granted. It's just a great little little moment there. That's hilarious. I, I, also, think, I think season one and season mm-hmm. five are yeah. my favorite seasons for Arthur so far. <sighs> seasons one and five. What happens with them in two? Uh, I don't remember too much. What's just, the season where Arthur's death is faked? That's season three. 
season where Arthur's death is faked, I believe. Season three. No. Wait, yeah, it's season three. It's with... Uh, Sabini and yeah. with... Uh, no, it's not. It's with season four. four? Yeah, it's four with, uh, with Luca. Cause what he comes the hell back happens in season three? What happens at the end of season three? So season one was Chester Oh, Campbell. season three is the priest, isn't it? Yeah, season three is the priest. That's right. He, Tommy gets his skull cracked. That's the skull cracking season. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Well, Arthur here is... Um, He's like a rock. He's like in between a rock and a hard place. Linda's speaking out of line like crazy. Like needed somebody to smack her. In she scene. always just, needs to be like. Just it's just like she's just upside the head. It's the way know. she goes about everything. Everything is like a a challenge. It's like just calm the hell down. Calm the hell down. What have you done? Mm-hmm. It's just what I don't get, and I understand it's a script. All right, people, don't come after me. <clears throat> Nobody here comments. has done the work. Nobody's done the work here. Now they're going to come after you with comments after what you said about Ada. I, I but, think um, I don't really care. All right. It's fine. It's your hill to die on. <laughs> <laughs> I die on the Linda is an asshole hill. It, it's <laughs> That's true. That's the one I die on. It is okay. true. Bloody Linda. Bloody Linda. Linda, <laughs> listen here. Nobody in this family has done more to advance it than Tommy. So shut the – just shut up. Just shut up when he's talking. Everyone. That goes for everybody. The only people who actually get to talk in this room are Tommy, mm-hmm. Arthur, Polly, and Ada. Not even Lizzie. Lizzie can shut up too. Okay? Yeah. She can, Let's she move can shut on. up. Let's you move know, on. I think it's funny because this this uh, this show is way more clean than I thought it would be on our end. <laughs> you thought it was going to be a lot more cursing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been cleaner. You know, I, you know we could use... We got... We have to throw a few ex- expletives in at some point. It wouldn't be a Peaky Blinders podcast without a few expletives. Exactly. Well, anyways, Tommy has a strategy to make the business legitimate, but we don't get to hear it because it no, cuts to never see. Right? But he does. Otherwise, I mean, if we knew the plan, the whole season would kind of be different. It's really true. It's really true. Well, Linda thankfully storms out as uh-huh. Arthur loses grip over his own family life. Um, and we get the cutscene of the remaining Peaky Blinders, Tommy. Yeah. Arthur, Ada, Polly, and Lizzie. Just not family. Heading to the garrison for the actual family meeting. The one yeah. that doesn't include the random member of the board or Correct. Linda, thank God. Yeah. And, so, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to mention two things uh, kind of unrelated to this story. Um, I don't know if, if you've noticed, but in this season, we get so many push-pulls. The shots... Um, <clears throat> I I mean I see it at the end of the episode when Tommy's walking to the stable, but I'm trying I mean, to remember. We, we just we, we see it at the house of right there during the slow mo walk. I took my eyes off the screen for two uh, seconds. because yeah. I was looking at my so notes. They did a push pull right there with the slow mo walk, and you know they do it a ton in the season. I, I'm I'm kind of curious why. I mean, I almost think they they overdo it. I think because sometimes think so? it does. I, I personally it doesn't look good. It doesn't look, it doesn't come off clean. Like, I it's a little too dis- jarring when it stops. I disagree with you because Peaky is more up the alley of a knight's tale than it is a, a pure period piece. And so everything is edgy. Everything is it's off kilter. They even have at some point, I'm not, I can't go that far, but they even have at some point this season, an actual modern song playing over the radio in the house. Like, mm. so it's not like, uh, it's not a, 
Yeah, I think it fits with the rock and roll edge, the punk oh, rock I, edge of the show. I don't dislike it. I just think they do it overdo it a little bit because there are some shots where it just didn't work well. Like what I, it's what just, I it just know, wasn't done as smoothly as it could have been. Because yeah, I've, well, I've done those shots before, and they're a pain in the ass. And you'll sit there and you'll shoot it over and over and over, unless you actually have the equipment to do the proper tracking and set the focal points. They do. <laughs> I understand that. However, it's still not that smooth on some of these shots. All right. Well, the one thing I'd want to know if Jimmy can look it up is when Anto Byrne uh, got involved with Peaky Blinders. That's what I want to know. Who's Anto Byrne? Is it the An- director? Anthony Byrne. I want to know if he did season three of Peaky. I want to know when he got involved there. He actually got involved in... Let me see. He has directed 12 episodes of Peaky Blinder. Hmm. Uh, two seasons. So he started, actually, with season five, and he's the one in charge of season six. Because what you see in season five, and it took it in a direction, he took it in a direction that I love. That's why mm-hmm. I really do think it's just top notch right now. I, I love uh, I love the cinematography dark, and the quality. Dark. The color is mm-hmm. is beautifully dark and grim and all sorts of just yeah. right up my right up my alley. And just the just the direction and the style of it all is just mm, chef's kiss. Good job, Anthony. Uh, any and just another impressive thing about Anthony. I was listening to that behind the scenes thing. Did you know that Peaky Blinders is actually not filmed chronologically? And I know a lot of TV shows probably do this. But for their sake, to keep budgets down, they actually shoot out of order. So something that they do, they mm-hmm. would shoot a scene from episode one and then bounce to a scene in the final episode of the season. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, I actually knew that. But the listeners might not. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've, heard, I've heard it before. But yeah, no, it's uh, it takes a lot of skill to be able to do that. Switch, switch context like that. I mean, your, your mindset's going to be completely different. I'd say so. Well, you have, um, let me see, what scene did we leave off on here? Entering the garrison, which, by the way, looks completely different than I remember. It's been expanded, improved, looks cleaner. And I don't know if you noticed, but the table that they end up sitting at in here, I'm like 99% sure it's the same table that we saw in like season one or two where Arthur and John were just passed out drunk. Probably. I'm, a lot I, of I this looks a lot table. like the bar. They still have the same secluded area where they yeah. sit, but yeah, it's but different now. The room's I mean, expanded. It's now like a distillery yeah. back there. Yeah. They have a gin. They, I don't know. It looks like almost like a tasting room or something, but it's you have, um, is it the distillery back there? I, I read it on the, the window. I swear it's a distillery. Shelby distillery, ales, yeah. stout, and uh it's ales and stuff well um you they actually get the paul revere treatment you got like the the typical the peaky blinders are coming mm-hmm. and but it's different kind of now where tommy's kind of being treated like the godfather slash the pope people are <laughs> shaking his hand like they're just piling over each other to shake his hand and uh tommy just kind of goes like zero to 100 real quick i mean he's able to just turn it on he turns on the charm as a statesman uh pretty much instantly yeah. and as a good leader at least i think good leaders should do he doesn't stoke up the fear of the stock crash any more than he needs to. He kind of mm-hmm. just downplays it, which I think is actually a smart thing for him, um, and a smart thing for the just for the overall morale of the people in the in the bar itself, who are there mm-hmm. drinking in the day. 
I'm assuming because of almost maybe it's packed every day, but it's the day that the market crashed. So, mm-hmm. or the day after the market crashed. So it's people probably kind of nervous about their jobs and all that sort of thing. In I fact, somebody actually comes up to Tommy and is worried about his hours being cut. And so Tommy assures him that his hours will not be cut. Um, Tommy great, makes it a point to uh, really, uh, I mean, who else would you want to reassure it for you? Say that again. Who else would you be more comfortable reassuring that no, kind I'm, of I'm saying it's, it's great reassurance. Right? Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's, 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 it's good as gold. Behind it. It's good as gold. And I feel like Tommy's the type that doesn't forget anything. So it's just kind of like it sticks in there and he just makes sure it happens. Mm-hmm. But um, they pretty much become themselves again when all the people are kicked out into the back room. Uh, but Tommy does send him away with a drink and a chaser for anybody who served in France. So mm-hmm. um, they go back and they kind of start to act like themselves. Ada wipes down the t- not I mean, not Ada. Polly wipes down the table. Lizzie's kind of just complaining about having to dwell with the commoners in the bar. And uh, it seems like the only ones who have kind of stayed level-headed are the Shelbys, the Tommy, Arthur, Ada, and Polly. Yeah, the core group. Yeah, all the the Marydens have kind of let the lifestyle get to their head. Well, keep I'd in say. mind, Polly is a gray. She's not a Shelby. She's a gray, but she's essentially Tom's mom. Yeah, she. I mean, she's an aunt. She's an aunt, but more like his mm-hmm. mom. At this point, I'd well, have I mean, to he say. doesn't have a mom, so yeah, I would say. Yeah, and definitely. his dad and his dad walked out earlier, so it's mm-hmm. like, would you say that she's not? Because you're saying she's not a Shelby. She's more like a Shelby than pretty much anybody in the show. I'm not she's, saying she's not like a Shelby. She, I'm just saying technically she's a Gray. She's the aunt. I think. I think it was, it was uh, Arthur Shelby Senior married her sister. Is that what happened? And that's how they're related, right? That's what it seems like because it says yeah. they make a comment earlier in the show that Tommy's mother's side mm-hmm. is uh, Gypsy royalty, which is the Grays, and Polly's always talking yeah. very arrogantly about or proudly about uh, her name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have to say it's probably his aunt on his mom's side. Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. Um and I think she died when they were young as well. So you would assume that Polly took care of them from a pretty early age. Yeah. Uh and she didn't have her own son that was taken away from her when she was uh when she was a young mother as well. So uh, these are her pretty much adopted kids. <clears throat> well, you know what I what I don't know is did they all come from the same mother, right? Because I mean in Who um you're talking about two. Finn and all of them? Yeah, Finn, John, Arthur, and Tommy, right? Because in season two, when we see, I'm pretty sure it was season two, when we saw um, Arthur Sr., I mean, Finn was what, six, seven, or like <laughs> eight? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Finn's age, Finn's age is, a, is one of the many mysteries of this show. He looks like he's two sometimes, but he's, yeah. only, he's only 12. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just curious to know, you know, who their parents were for for all of them, if they were the same or not. Yeah. Well, um, back to the meeting here in the in the bar. They're talking about Finn and how he's just pretty much not obeying orders, and he got shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if that's not bad enough, he leaks everything to Ada about Tommy having sent them over there to kill a guy. Yeah. And um. Lizzie's just frustrated. She seems to be the last one to find out about everything, and she's just not having it in this meeting. Mm-hmm. She's playing the role of Linda in this meeting, but I think this meeting is actually appropriate to speak up your 
your complaints well, your, your rather family. than the other one. You know what I mean? The other one. <laughs> like, not in the presence of uh, people a, you don't a, even really just know. Just a rando, just a yeah. random guy in there, you know? You yeah. Don't do that. No. So, he seemed kind of surprised by some of the uh, the dealings that they kind of hinted to and with what was going on there. Yeah. He's very out of place. I think he knows, but but doesn't know. You know what I mean? Like, just, you mm-hmm. know, you just don't want to know something. He's just trying to stay out of it. Yeah. But um, Tommy is actually explaining here that he does have a plan for getting the legitimate business back in order. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's going to bolster them in the midst of this crash is their illegitimate business and their uh, the money that they're making uh, under the table, so yeah. to speak. We just passed, I think, what is, is my favorite line from the episode that we, we heard earlier on that uh, Tommy told Arthur to tell Charlie, which is basically sometimes uh, – death is a death is a kindness or something like that and then yeah. arthur right here just uses the line against ada sometimes killing is a kindness yeah yeah it's great <laughs> yeah, you get a little the, smirk on his face just killed me it was just hilarious you get arthur doing his trying to be like tommy and yeah it's too funny it's kind of a temptation everybody who watches the show wants to be tommy right? <laughs> even arthur exactly so um <laughs> lizzie storms out the same way linda did and the meeting continues. Bet you that whiskey Arthur's drinking from the bottle is pretty damn good. What do you think? I bet. I yeah. don't know if it's as good as my Jameson right now, but it's probably pretty good. Eh, well, he'd at least like the fact that you're drinking Irish, right? Exactly. That, that's exactly why I'm drinking it. And then I think it's, what is it, season four when we get to that one? I'm going to have to start drinking uh, gin. Drinking my gin, yeah. <laughs> Well, Ada's upset with Tommy. I think it's more of a, out of concern. But it's interesting to me how they give Tommy shit for the way that they make money. But everybody's got the fur coat around their neck and the jewelry and everything. It's it's just like Carmela and Sopranos. They they love the lifestyle, but they don't like to know how the lifestyle was provided. Carmela is that a character from the Sopranos? Carmela is, is Tony Soprano's show? wife. Okay, okay, got it. I haven't watched Sopranos, so she's constantly, you know giving tony crap for the way he makes a living which is okay but as long as you're not taking freaking diamonds uh in exchange and new cars and loving that you know so like arthur he 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 just found out ada's pregnant ada's fucking pregnant huh yeah well you have uh (laughs) that's actually kind of glanced over it we find out here that ada is pregnant Uh uh-huh which explains her reactions and her behavior more than the other two women yeah you know which That's I understand true. the way the other two are acting too because you have kids to think about. If things are going to crap and if anything happens to Tommy, Ada knows that her kids are not provided for. Yeah, that's true. Right? And they just lost her time in the stock market That's the crash. other thing. So right? I think because there was a lot, of, a lot of talk earlier on about how, you know, it, it, it's always about well, Tommy wouldn't let that happen. Right? So it's not, not that they're not provided for. They're also not protected anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I think out of concern for themselves and for their children, they are concerned about the way Tommy's taking the family because I just think that it's better to leave him out of it until Tommy's got it done, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the scene of these, in the scenes of these meetings, we see the order. It's kind. Of, I found it telling which the order which everyone leaves. It's Linda leaving first, Lizzie second, Ada then Polly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, to me, I think it's kind of the order of strongest loyalty. Uh, and notably absent are Michael and Finn because it kind of doesn't make sense why Finn is not in this meeting. Michael, he's not in town, but Finn doesn't make. I don't know where he is at this in this part. I'm not sure either. He's probably out, you know, trying to take another bullet in the arm. Maybe. All right, here we go. We're about to cut to uh, 
another scene in a moment here after Tommy finishes talking to Arthur. But if you pay attention, you will see I, what I think is the second push pull of this. Let's one see episode. the push pull. Let's see the push pull. It's a, it's a really this one. Oh, you're came talking out about really the house. You're yeah. talking about the Walk house of comments. House of comments. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. When the one that happens that you don't like, make sure you point it out. I will. I will do my best. Tommy like, and Arthur. I like talk- most of them. I just think there's like one or he- one or one or two here and there throughout the season that it's just. Eh. I just feel like it would have been less distracting without it. All right. You make sure to point them out. We'll I will. We'll, we'll I will discuss. do it if I remember. All right. Well. Arthur and Tommy are talking about Finn and uh, pretty much reminiscing on their first bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Tommy's just lamenting bullet. that they're – you can get one if you want. Yeah, I might get myself one. Go to, the right, go to the right neighborhood and <laughs> catch one. Uh, well, Tommy's lamenting the fact that no one is listening to him, and this could be a continuation of what happens in the rest of the season. Yeah. On to Westminster in the House of Commons to Zach's go. famous push pool. This one I like a lot. Yeah. This is this is great. Um, Waiting for it. Is it this one or is it? I'm pretty sure it's later on. It might be later on in the sh- yeah. It's later on in the show. Because he's walking faster. Yep. I think yeah. I think it's in like episode three then. Three or well, four of this season that it this, happens. This scene is significant because we do get, I think, the first look of Tommy speaking in the house. Oh, it's so we get great. to see we get to see orator Tommy here of just mm-hmm. uh, or orator, orator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he stands up and starts speaking. Yeah. So well, he does orator. a good job. It's very compelling, and he's speaking for the working class man in Birmingham, uh, which gets the attention of a Sir Oswald Mosley, mm-hmm. who introduces himself in the following scene. We don't know yeah. who he is, but he's played by Sam Claflin, who's a very renowned actor. And mm-hmm. so we know uh, Peaky has a history of picking uh, well-established actors as their potential yeah. uh, antagonists. Yeah. They, it was interesting. The uh, little We don't little know if he's going to be an antagonist, by the way, yet here. Uh, I mean, just judging by the look of that mustache, I, I think he would be. <laughs> yeah, you can't, uh, you just can't looks be good like with that mustache. Here. Yeah. yeah. And the way that they kind of started pulling him into frame when uh tommy Didn't was seem speaking it was a little like he just knew something something else was there yeah i i would have to agree with you it's kind of like the first impression you get of him is, is you're in a dark room you're yeah and who is this guy and he clearly is keeping an eye on tommy because in the next scene he makes sure he makes sure to be in line of sight where he can introduce himself and yeah. they have a an interesting close-up on the handshake which i found it was kind of almost like I'm sure we'll find out more as to why that is so emphasized because he's obviously going to play a role in this season. But um, I always, I kind of found it interesting the way Tommy just quickly walks away in this scene. Yeah, that's, that's what right? I want to start doing to people anytime they, just like they introduce like That themselves. look on okay. your face and just like turn around like that and leave. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I want to start talking to off. people like the way Tommy handles this judge here because oh, the judge same. who he went and set, ordered the guys to go and kill the Chinaman. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that offensive to say Chinaman? Uh, no, like, I mean, I think he, that's, that's what is that the term? is. That's like the, isn't that the, I'm not sure. There's things that's are what so, they are. <laughs> things are so tricky nowadays. You never know. Yeah, I know. Well, well they kill, <laughs> they kill the man there and uh, they did it for this guy who was being blackma- blackmailed by the pimp who lived in that uh, whorehouse, I guess, or the sex traffickers house. I don't know what that place was, but it was not a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying well, to pull a like fast one on Tommy. trafficking, wasn't it? It was it's child trafficking. It wasn't just a more positive. It was, it was like, children. Yes, but it was a whorehouse, and they had children. 
So it was like a double whammy of yeah. of of just evil in there. Yeah, so I think once you cross the line with children, I think that's you can't get much worse than that. But yeah, yeah, I get it. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, yeah, to, whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna keep interrupting you. <laughs> I'm like just trying to finish this damn scene. <laughs> damn it. Uh, what's his name? What's the name of the Lord here? Does we have a name for him? I know he's a I high judge. Could or not catch the name. I couldn't catch the name either, but he is trying to pull a fast one by Tommy and pretty much touting his power over him, but kind of stupid to try to pull a power move on the guy who literally just killed a guy who was blackmailing you for freaking, Yeah, I don't know what he was doing with children. I don't know what he was doing with children, but he was doing something Um, because Tommy alludes to it when he pretty much tells a riveting story of how he shot a cavalry man in the face for uh, playing around with... uh, playing around during the war so i think tommy would probably do worse to this guy for yeah. withholding the full fifty thousand from him i mean look at what he almost did to uh uh, uh luca's father shangretta i forgot about that yeah. that was that was a rough scene yeah, arthur, arthur put him down just out of, out of mercy it was a mercy killing at that point <laughs> that was like tommy at his darkest there <laughs> yeah by the way kind of some campbell vibes coming from this high judge here do you agree at least the look of him <sighs> the look maybe but he's really just his face, not, not his character. He, his character is not much of anything, in my opinion. I found kind of the lines here kind of uh, crowd-serving. Kind of like, yeah, stick it to the man, yeah. and then drop his wine bottle on his paperwork. Yeah. It just felt like a very... I think Tommy's character and a lot of the uh, anti-hero type characters are very much kind of like a reflection of some of the things we'd like to get away with. Not necessarily in the criminal sense, but like, you know, someone just absolutely directing and not putting up with any bs right yeah exactly. have we been introduced to ben younger before yeah before the scene season four Ada, right uh undressed in the end of season four because right. uh they strip searched her that's right for whatever reason well ben younger is actually probably one of the only good men in this show and he yeah. is uh shown again here i guess him and ada have developed a romantic relationship here because i don't remember season four worth a lick which is, uh, I got to watch that recap at the very least. I'll find something on YouTube. Yeah, watch it. I, I, I think it's towards the end of season four, if not the last episode. Yeah. Um, we're introduced to his character. They basically went in and, uh, I don't want to say they arrested her, but they 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 brought her in and ended up strip, strip searching her. And That's he right. walks in and he's apologizing he puts for a, her, but He puts a coat over her, right, or something like that? Yeah, he gives her his coat, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Or or he may have just turned around while she, while she got dressed. I don't I don't remember. But anyways, he works for the, the military. I don't remember which branch. Was it like the Navy or something? I'm not sure. Special Command. I think he might something. have served with Tommy uh, in the war, I think. And um, Tommy right now is leaking information on the communists to him in exchange for military contracts, which is yeah. going swimmingly because he just finds out that yeah. he's going to get two military contracts of, for vehicles going to India, I think mm. he says. I think so, And yeah. um, it's alluding. They allude to it and they imply it, but Younger's the father of yeah. of the baby that Ada's going to have if she's pregnant with. So uh, Ada tries here. You can kind of see her try to muster up the courage to uh tell younger about the child but she doesn't mm-hmm. which um you know she'll tell her she'll tell him in in her in, in her timing 
Yeah, and I, I think we we hear some lines in this episode. I can't remember when or if it's this episode, but um, just culturally at that time, uh, a half black, half white child was a frowned upon thing. So it, it, it kind of is like this serious predicament that we end up seeing a little bit i I can't remember exactly what all the details are but that factor somehow plays a role in some sort of storyline in this episode not episode but show they talk about it more in the episode in the scene between polly and ada yeah which will come up soon here but we see tommy getting ready to leave his office and tommy's moved up in the world he's getting letters from winston churchill who's pretty impressive who was having dinner with charlie chaplin in new york <laughs> when charlie chaplin mentioned tommy shelby's name how about now that? charlie chaplin i believe was a communist uh if i'm not mistaken and uh jimmy will have to fact check that if uh if we can get one because that's a pretty serious accusation to make but uh tommy is acting like he's a socialist slash well it's not the same thing but he's acting like a socialist, which maybe Chaplin was a socialist. Maybe I'm mistaking it, but I know he was uh, persecuted back in the day for being one. And um, it's interesting in the letter that while Churchill is in New York, he doesn't actually mention the stock crash, which kind of brought me back to Tommy being in the garrison and not mentioning the stock crash. just seems like good leaders don't uh, panic, even if they've lost, because Churchill did lose his ass in the stock market, according to the... uh, Secretary of Tommy Shelby, who gets an odd amount of focus by the camera. Usually side characters uh, don't really get a lot of FaceTime in, uh, in Peaky Blinders. But this That's one true. like really gets a lot of FaceTime. Yeah. And he seems to be fishing for information because uh, he does ask Tommy, did you lose stuff, right? So I think uh, Tommy's very cautious of who he's talking to because... Word probably travels quickly in Westminster. And if you are in a position of weakness, somebody will try to use it against you. Mm-hmm. But Tommy comes from the Hard Knocks streets, and he's not going to be played like no sucker. So I have a feeling that this secretary is probably – I don't. I have not been able to confirm this, but I have a feeling he is like a, a mole for somebody else in Westminster. Yeah. Well, uh, Jimmy is telling me right now that according to tndfonline.com okay. – uh, he was Charlie Chaplin was accused of being a communist. He was asked about his support of communist organizations, but according to his own words, he said, I am a liberal and I am interested in peace, but by no means am I interested in communism. Okay. Back then, I think you go to jail for being a communist. Am I wrong? Uh, I'm pretty sure that is correct. And, you know, this, this he was assistant- kicked out of the country, by the way. Which country was Charlie Chaplin kicked out of? Wasn't it England? I'm not sure. Okay. He was accused of communist sympathies, according to Wikipedia, and some members of the press and public found his involvement in a paternity... Okay, this is why he had to leave. In a paternity suit and marriages to much younger women scandalous. An FBI investigation was opened, and Chaplin was forced to leave the United States and settle in Switzerland. I saw his movie. Robert Downey Jr. plays Chaplin. It's it's terrific. Um, highly recommended. If you've never watched it, Zach. Uh, Which movie? It's a gem. Chaplin. Downey. I don't think I've, I have to watch it. I it's like excellent. I, I like uh, some of the old silent films that he's in. 
Yeah. That's great. So Same. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. The, the secretary here, I can't place it, but he reminds me of somebody. I, I don't know if it's just his demeanor or I, I don't know, just the way he looks, but he kind of, I want to say he reminds me of, what is it, Prince Charles from... He's got the ears. The yeah, from I forget the name of the show. From oh, like I thought the you were talking about. I thought you were talking about the like the real Prince Charles. Yeah, Prince. I am. I am talking about Prince Charles from. Oh, the Crown. Yeah, the Crown. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, Prince Charles from the Crown informs Tommy that uh, he has one more meeting with a journalist from the London Times who used to work for the Birmingham Press. It's a Mister Levitt, dun. and in this scene, we probably get the most intense interaction of the episode would you agree i would agree well this journalist is coming into the office thinking i mean good intentions but in my opinion i you know maybe i'm just a a tommy fanboy here but it's like the one working class politician you're coming in although he definitely came up the ranks in a criminal way Mm -hmm. come on what are the other guys doing why aren't you in the high judge's office why aren't you like doing investigative work of some of these other politicians why has it got to be tommy shelby they're trying to assassinate a working class man. That's what I'm saying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so if you notice the camera work here, everything's kind of straight for the journalist here at this point. Everything is yeah. flat. Everything is kind of calm. He's uh, he's leading the question here against Tommy, asking him about his background in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And he goes back all the way to season one when Tommy's yeah. burning pictures of the king under yeah, this the bonfire. This is now, not is the, it the first same time actor? we've met him. It, I'm pretty sure it is. It's at the very least supposed to be the same character, Mr. Same Levitt, character at the very least, yeah. who um, Tommy asked for somebody to come report on them burning pictures of the king. and Yeah, he does that back it, in the day yeah. when he's trying to get Campbell in trouble or get some pressure on him from Churchill. That's mm-hmm. when Campbell's on his ass. Well, Tommy knows exactly why he's in here. And uh, essentially, um, he's prepped for this moment in which... Uh, this man is asking him about the death of Campbell. He's asking him about um, the way he makes his money. Uh, he's pretty much just asking about his overall reputation because coming from Birmingham, he knows all about the Peaky Blinders. So maybe it's just a journalist who's opp- opportunistic, who thinks that he has a stronger hand here to play than he actually does, and that he thinks that this is not a man who would actually sink to a point where you know, he could be killed. But he's obviously nervous in the scene as Tommy turns the tables on him. Um, about the research he's done, mm-hmm. which is essentially he knows where Mr. Levitt lives. He knows that he's a homosexual. And yeah. back then, I don't know if you could go to jail at that point. I would assume yes at that point for being gay. Uh, um, I'm not sure. I'm almost positive that that's the case because... Uh, um. You definitely have you seen, didn't want have you seen the movie? Have you seen the movie with uh, Benjamin Cumberbatch? Uh, God, man, it's, it just came out. Then no, if it just came out, I haven't seen it. No, it didn't just come out. Like maybe three years ago. I still haven't um, seen it. Benedict you would like. You would actually like it. It's called. It's called Imitation Game. 2014. Oh. Wow, it felt like three years ago. That was. Well, hold on. No, I did see it. I did <laughs> eight see eight years ago. That okay, was a good I think one. in Imitation Game he plays. Um, he plays Alan he's Turing, yeah. and he's gay in it, and he gets put in prison, if I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. or he gets put on a chemical thing. So anyways, long story short, it's not a fact that you wanted to put out there back yeah. in 1929 don't, London. Don't be gay here. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Do you see the off kilter camera? How it completely shifts? <laughs> Extremely. When, it's it's almost not even a, an angle. It's 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 so far turned I to love the it. side I, that I it's almost yeah. just like oh, 180 degrees. Yeah. It's it's terrific. It really does build the. It just mounts the pressure and the and the conflict in the room. Yeah. Where Levitt's starting to see kind of like uh, <laughs> things are going to crap right now for his for his questioning and you got to wonder what he was thinking going in there and doing it. I guess he was just trying to do his job, but, uh, Tommy really does flip the tables on him and threatens to out him. Um, if he continues with this line of questioning and he go and he threatens him, he knows exactly where he lives. And if this man knows that he's killed people, then he knows what Tommy's subtext is here through his, uh, yeah. um, through his question. I kind of want Tommy's glasses, man. Those glasses are cool. The round, uh, turtle glasses he's got there. Yeah, they are. Those are dope. Classic looking, that's for sure. Yeah, they're dope. Anyways, uh, Levitt does not choose to write this in his little fucking book, as Tommy asked him to. But uh, <laughs> I kind of, you know, I really enjoy this scene because I really don't like when people are mm-hmm. are prying into stuff they don't need to be prying into. But Levitt does have a good reason to do so. It is an honorable thing to do. It is a courageous thing to do. And Tommy is completely in the wrong here, obviously. But we root for Tommy on this show. So that's yeah. what happens here when you're Mr. Levitt. Anyways, uh, to Ada and Polly here, we get the conversation that you uh, mentioned beforehand. Yeah. Well, well speak, is, speaking of um, Mr. Levitt, I'm pretty sure the actor is different. The actor may be different. I think in season one, he's unnamed. But the storyline is it's supposed to be him. Okay. And I actually just saw a photo, which is really random, by the way. But... Um, I think Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy were in, obviously, Peaky Blinders together, but they were in Dunkirk, they were in Inception, and they were also in The Dark Knight Rises. So, I didn't know they were in that many together. Mm-hmm. Back to Ada. Take it away. They're one of the duos that's been in a lot of movies together. Yeah, they, they are good. Um, uh, Mostly Nolan movies. Uh, to Ada and Polly, where we have the discussion about the baby uh, coming along, and, and Polly knows that the baby is is Ben Younger's. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baby golden. Gonna, they call him be, Golden Boy. Well, she's gonna be mixed. It's a girl, according yeah. to Polly Gray, because she's a gray, and she knows these things because she's a. What is she, Zach? She's a gypsy. She's, she's a, a seer. She's a gray. Yeah, right? and she's she's something, and she knows all these things about babies. Because she just always knows. I don't she think always she's knows wrong. when you're pregnant for some reason. And she knows somehow. the gender of the baby like immediately. Yeah, it's Anyways, impressive. They, they've grown like an appreciation for Tommy here. And it's really Tommy, the ability and the growth that Tommy's given to the to the gang and to the family that allows them to be so um, at peace with this. Because Ada makes a mention that the last time she was pregnant without uh, the father being pretty much committed or whatever. Because Ben mm-hmm. Younger's a good guy. You just get the feeling that he's going to, he yeah. would commit immediately. But... Back when Ada first got pregnant with Freddie Thorne's child, the conversation was much different. It was about getting an abortion. Well, there was a lot more at stake, right? I mean, the fact that... Well, they were poor. They hadn't made it. That's the biggest thing. They were poor. She was young. And on top of that, Freddie was a communist who... I mean, his business would destroy the Shelby's business. Like, like there was this natural conflict where there's, there's not here. They're all working together. They didn't expect Freddie to settle down with her. That was the no. big thing also. No. So they also had that going against them. But I think the big thing had to do with was 
they couldn't take care of the baby. So Ada, no matter what, the baby being of mixed race, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because it. So what? You get persecuted for it, but you're still gonna have enough to support the baby. Mm-hmm. She's gonna have a great life. Whatever. Well, they definitely have protection. Oh, now, also, so. Polly wants the baby to be named Elizabeth. So keep. It Does she really say that? Yeah, she says that. Interesting. I miss that. Yep. 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 Very uh, interesting. Tommy arrives home. Yeah. And. Um, no one greets him. And at first, I kind of played this off because I thought about it like a modern man who is uh, who lives with a car and he you know drives five minutes away from his house and comes home. And if nobody says hi to you, you're like, yeah, it's fine because you know you come home all the time. Here's here's but, here's the this is the distracting push pull. This all right, skip it back. And first of all, give some when you do that, give some like clarity of what you're talking about. I, I will, but give me give me one second because if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, so, pause it. It, Tommy did get greeted when he came home. He got greeted by the dog. And I don't know if you, you saw the dog, right? Mm -hmm. Did you catch on that the dog is actually Cyril? It's Alfie's dog. He adopted Alfie's dog after he shot him. Oh, you're right. You're right. I completely did not realize that was Alfie's dog. Yeah, I, I, I heard the name when he's like, hey, Cyril. And I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, shoot, it's Alfie's dog. So, yeah, for those before people. You, before you get to the push pull, I'm going to finish the, what yeah. I was saying All with, right, the, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. with the scene there. Because, you know, you just, like, jumped ahead. I think the Jameson is. Well, no, is the problem is you're writing too many notes. So, it's like I, you, you're going to end up talking the whole time. i got to jump in somewhere. I know, but don't go to the next scene. Anyways, you got a whole uh, situation here where he's he's been in London for the night. He's sleeping the night there. And you have uh, nobody awaiting him at the house, not the kids. Nobody gives a damn that Tommy's home. So he's doing all this work. He's jumping around all day, meeting with people, threatening his life. And uh, he gets home to a, just a, a dog. And uh, you love the dog because that's what's good about dogs. But yeah, good Lord. All right, Zach, go away on your tangent with the push pull. Well, it's not a tangent. So basically, Tommy's walking out from the house to the barn because Charlie's in the barn. And there's just like so much movement going on in the shot and the shot itself visually looks very shaky because of the push pull like if you look at the house in the background it it looks like somebody almost bumped the camera or like it's just bouncing too much you see it this is this is like i think one of the only ones that i really like have a problem with god if this one didn't have it i wouldn't have just been pulled out of the scene you really made it seem like you hated every push pull at the no, start of the episode. I, I like I like the push pulls. I there's I just said there's like one or two that I think they could have done without. And yeah, that's one of them. It does seem like the most out of place of all of them. Yeah. Uh just for the for what's going on at the end of the episode. Like the other one just seems like Tommy's going at hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And it's like that kind of thing. But here yeah. he's just going to talk to his son. And his son still wants no part of him, which goes to the no. fact of being the least popular person in his house. You want to take the last scene here with the I will, the but before we do this, we had another iconic line where uh, Charlie's like, well, you're not God. And, and Tommy responds after Charlie leaves, no, I'm not God. Not yet. Well, Anyways. His, his ambition would take him that far. Cut to Mike, uh, Mr. Levitt. Uh, Michael Levitt, actually, desires. by the way, going into his elevator. And... Um, door closes he's got his groceries in hand and uh he ends up getting blown away by two men uh dressed in black like the peaky blinders carrying 
with machine guns with caps and one of them looks a lot like arthur do you think uh it was actually the peaky blinders uh because they the first time i watched this yes the second time i watched it i paid more attention and he is, it looks like Arthur. They cut to Tom. It's not Arthur, but they cut. They yeah, cut to Tommy, right after it happens, to make it almost seem like it was him who ordered yeah, it. But it just seems a little sloppy on his part to have this guy in his office and he's dead right you know? after. Like literally, yeah. I want to say this is maybe a day after, or the, yeah, yeah, it's gotta be the next day because it was nighttime at that time. Yeah. But, um. You also have a. Um, you had mentioned something. Oh, about the God line. It's so, like, his ambition is such that it's like... He wants to rule the world. Exactly. And I think everyone has a, an element of, of not a ruling the world thing, but there's like that try to be God type of thing. Yeah. Which, well, is, it's, our, it's, which it's, is our downfalls. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a pattern that we've seen with him throughout the show, though, right? Like, it, it always starts with, he comes back from the war. You know, there's still this gang... Uh, of people and, and you know the whole season one and two is really like about building legitimate business and then we get into seasons three and four and now they have the legitimate business and now they're expanding and they're doing all of this this crazy stuff you know they're just growing really rapidly and by the end of season four getting into season five well again the next what's the next logical step like you said earlier on he went from a gangster to legitimate business and now well you gotta you gotta get above business right so now you're a politician so what'd you in think the end, in the end he wants to be god i guess go what'd ahead. you think uh, overall i think it's just more of him at a loss for words more than anything and mm-hmm. just somebody talking crap in the in the stable for the most part like i don't think he would actively acknowledge that in terms of like being an actual you know, obviously not realistic, but you know what I mean. Yeah. If he he would want to be the guy who makes the shots, like call the shots for the whole country. Oh, ab- absolutely. You know? I, I I just think it was just like a matter of. Speech. I, I wouldn't take the comment too seriously, uh, honestly, from him or the, or the line I should say, because I mean earlier in the show, what I don't even know, season two, three, something like that. Um, he was basically like, "Oh, I don't believe in God," so. To want to be something that you don't believe even exists. That's well, a yeah, topic he's, for another he's, podcast. Yeah, he's kind of, <laughs> he's kind of a disbelief. He definitely believes in yeah. something because he's so superstitious. But well, what do you think overall of uh, yeah. of the opening episode of season five here? We're running really long on this episode. That's okay. You know, I, I think I think it's warranted for this one. It's the first one of the season, right? Um, I think the opening was by far the best we've seen so far. Um. And honestly, like, just overall, this episode is one of my favorites. It's just, it's done extremely well, even with that one push-pull. Um, it's done extremely well. I love the cinematography in it. The color grading is great. It just visually pulls you in more than the previous Our ones seasons, did, but yeah. they were still great. They, 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 I'm, not, I'm not disqualifying them. They were still great, but this one is just, like... You know, you know they got some money to dump it, or at least more than they had before. Supposedly, no, according to the producer. But uh, well, it feels like it. it they and do if make they didn't, it feel like that's it. even more impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have to, to agree. It doesn't. It definitely feels like Peaky Blinders goes into a different. Um, 
it's almost like they turned the page into a different era with season five. It's like season mm-hmm. one and two are terrific. Three and four have their moments of just excellence, yeah. but season one, two, and five specifically, you're in for a ride. It is like it's just excellent, and the director Anthony Byrne definitely uh, plants. You know, he stamps his actual style on this season, and you see it. You just see it in the overall tone of everything, and uh, it's just so well done. This mm-hmm. the season opener is. I'd have to go and rewatch the other four seasons. Or um, first two, no, two, them. three, and four. At least the first. Oh, no, I'm talking about the whole episode now, not oh, just the opening okay. montage. Right. Uh, as far as like the best opening episode of a season, it might be this one. Might be as far as setting up of where it's going mm-hmm. and the possibilities mm-hmm. of where it could go. Season one is terrific, mm-hmm. but I got to watch two, three, and four to actually make my own opinion. You, there. you know what might be a, a fun little little bonus episode you, you've seen them you've been re-watching with your wife yeah so, i know so i'm actually what like is, four episodes what ahead think? of this i i i think it's hard to beat ep- season one episode one just because i mean it's it's the catalyst for everything right you like, can say spoilers on anything on the other season so like if well, you course. saw like I mean, another go back yeah um I, like, like i said i think it's really hard to beat the opening episode of season one just because it's the catalyst for the show um this would probably be my second favorite after you know season one episode one this is done really really well um as far as two three and four go i've been re-watching them but i don't recall the details of them um part of that is just because it's not in my notes because we haven't recorded them yet so what I I think this would make a nice bonus episode where we kind of go back and rewatch the first episode of season one through six when six comes out, and we do like a uh, a rating of what we think was number one, two, three, four, five, six, and see if we line up the same way. We should either do that or rank the seasons. Period. But we we're probably we're kind of in line already though with our favorite seasons that's why i'm thinking we just do episode one i i, I, think I will say know. season two is my favorite followed by season one and then season five is my third favorite right now hmm. and then four is probably after that and three is last yeah i would agree with that what the hell happened in season three i don't remember what happens in season three well season we got to we got to get a summary uh, on uh, season 3. We'll we'll do this. I don't want to like yeah. waste too much more time yeah, on this cuz people yeah. did not tune in for season 3. They only tuned in for for this episode where we start talking about season 3. They're already logging off. Anyways. So, let, let's wrap it up then. Got give a us couple, a su- couple give us categories. The categories. I don't write them down anymore. I leave it to you now with the with the categories. It's all good. Uh but if you have any that you you think would be good to add to this, let me know cuz I I have a few, but I've only been writing down too because as far as like plot holes and goofs i mean comp- looping it was just obvious on that one right there was yeah, there yeah, was yeah. some things there this one yeah. I, I don't notice much <laughs> at all honestly like i really don't it's well um, it's just well written it's it just is. like they it's do well have written, their it's well filmed it's well and edited they, they think through like great. what i've noticed with all the rewatches is that the things that i thought were just like throwaways mm-hmm. are not throwaways nothing is a throwaway in the show they call yeah. back to things all the time everything that happens is intentional and it's just you only catch it when you rewatch just how well written it is. Now there are some lines every once in a while where you have like Polly talking to herself, where she says a line like, 
to, to Tommy when he says he has a plan. She's like, what, do you have a magic wand in that bag? She has lines like that every once in a while that I'm like, come on, we don't need that. But mm-hmm. uh, but it also adds to the character of the show and to the character of the characters, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. All right. First category. And I have three answers. Best scene. Mm, best scene or favorite scene. <laughs> Levitt with Tommy. Yeah. That's that's one of mine. Just like the the chess play with words in in that scene, the dialogue was great, really suspenseful. Editing was good. I like that one. I think my second favorite was the Peaky Blinders coming back to the garrison, which I think is like the first time we've seen them there in quite a while. Hmm. It, like after rewatching three and four, I may be wrong, but I, I- do not remember them being in the garrison much at all if at all i'd say the second one for me is the montage the opening montage or the montage was, might be first it's just such an epic you got the opening with tommy mm-hmm. in the field and the, the music hits as soon as you see the black horse crossing mm-hmm. you know the phone booth it's just a simple setup of a scene yeah you know when you think about it with just i mean I'm, there's more logistics there but just the actual set design you just got a mm-hmm. red phone booth and Tommy riding was he does he ride bareback every I think sometimes he does he was in this one right I swear he I was. think I think he only rides bareback on the show yeah I think so my the third one that I had was actually Tommy riding on a black horse right because I, that really reminded me of the first episode of the first season right I, like that's how his you're character right. is introduced you're right and, and I, I, I really think like that I do think that maybe Byrne is trying to throw it back to the season one too yeah right because that's that's exactly our first shot of Tommy's overhead from behind when you see the streets clearing in season one and you see mm-hmm. him for the first time. Now I will say another thing, a little trivia fact here of that, of the, sh- of the interview with Stephen Knight and Killian Murphy and Karen Mandeback, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Knight or Killian Murphy said they actually visited some gypsy camps when they went to, oh, yeah. uh, when they were doing research for the role in season one before huh. the whole show started. And one of the first things they noticed was the little boy, riding a horse bareback like just jumping on a horse and riding it bareback which is really difficult to do i don't know how to ride a horse but i've heard that it's difficult to do and um steven looked at killian and he said tommy should ride uh, ride horse uh, know how to ride a horse bareback and <laughs> Kill- killian made it a part of the character you know interesting yeah so um yeah uh so favor seeing those two any other categories here yeah. i have one re- i have one that just popped up Go ahead. Most random character, like oh, m- most, most random. random character, it's the guy in the uh, the boardroom. Yeah, him or the secretary. Yeah, Mister Shelby, you have one more meeting. Yeah, I forgot you have one more meeting. <laughs> I feel like when I watch that line, I'd love to talk to that actor. <laughs> I want to know because I don't think he's done. Like I don't. Maybe he's broken out or something like that and does something else, but. I think he rehearsed that line like a million times because he uh, own, he it's owns that nice. line, bro. Like, <laughs> the, the, I think he owned it so much that even the director's like, "Fuck, go to Cam B, go to Cam yeah. B here." <laughs> he, he's got he because he even does like a he goes to turn to walk away to go lock up the office and then he goes, "You have one more meeting." Let's let's actually go back to like, <laughs> to make All fun right. of this to make fun of this a bit. As, well, uh, you talk about your random character. While you're going back, um, hold on, hold on. It is it is hilarious. Here, we go. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. While well, you got back here really quick, 
he tries to pry for information about the yeah crash and then he goes to turn away just get ready for it yeah Mm. you have one more appointment (laughs) you said it in your diary from last week huh um i have it also at 1.25 speed so it doesn't help him but he in regular speed he slows it down even more he's like yeah wait a minute What's Mr. this? Shelby. <laughs> What's this in this book? Dear God, Mr. Shelby, you have one more meeting. <laughs> one more meeting with a with a Mr. Levitt. In, yeah, in but, his defense, if you're on a show like this, oh, and you I only do have the same thing. Line, I, think I might have looked. A I might have looked into the like, camera. Yeah. I would have had the peaky cut. Wardrobe would have been like, who told this guy that he could have the peaky cut? Who is this guy? Why is he? Why does he keep looking at the camera like this is the office? That would have been me completely for sure. Oh, that's for funny. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, my my emotion. I, I actually thought I would have came back was, into the scene with Levitt and shot him as <laughs> as the guy. <laughs> He's outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I I think this character is more. I don't I don't want to say believable, but I just kind of like like you would expect somebody like this to be there for for somebody in office like like uh, Tommy. The other mm-hmm. one that i mean the one that i said was the most random character was you know the guy in the boardroom i just like i don't think we've ever seen him before i agree with you he's more random he's He's more comments you know talking about oh the women are decorative highly decorative this is a a, you know there's a lot of people women in the boardroom and he was just a weird guy yeah um i don't know if he played i cannot remember if he plays a role later on in the show in this this season don't say it though if you remember i I can't remember at all i have no idea but um any other categories yeah, the one I had is most memorable characters. Tommy, man. It's always Tommy. Every yeah, episode know, is just Tommy. Unless there really isn't somebody else who did good or was interesting. This guy, the secretary. Somebody. I'll never forget this ever again. Okay, the secretary. Yeah, he, he is one of the most memorable characters. Even though the character was very short played. <laughs> what I about? Liked, okay, my bad. Go I ahead. liked Cyril. The, the dog? dog? Yeah. Right, cool. Come on. I mean, you got Alfie's dog. He adopted the dog. It's great. Yeah. They actually slowed down him walking out because I think he was probably running outside the house too fast. <laughs> they slowed it down for a second. Yeah, they made the a house really dramatic. in the dark. Kind of funny. Yeah. And then they have, um, what about Charlie's little line? No, it's what you do. Shoot, <laughs> shoot horses, shoot people. <laughs> it's Everybody <a> says <laughs> it reminds me. It reminds me of like a little NPC from Fable yeah, One. Yeah, it's the Chicken Chaser. You know, it's just uh, I it's just what it reminds me of, anyways. But uh, any other uh, categories, Zach? He's funny. I wonder what he's gonna grow into. In the he's next gonna be season, the leader but... of the damn Peaky Bunners. If he ages like Finn. By season six, he's gonna be seventeen years old. It's just about right. You know, two years you gain. How old, where are John Boy's kids? Dude, I have not seen them. That's the only plot hole that I really have from the or, or goof or whatever from this show. Where are the kids? Yeah, none yeah, of I them. Mean, I mean, Arthur's kids. He has four kids. John gets married. He has another kid. John dies. The wife takes the kids. Yeah. You never see the kids. Yeah. You hear right. him, but you never see him. Anyways, any any more? No, that's that's about it. The only other thing I was gonna mention, um, we we talked about Raka or Romani, the language earlier mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. House of Commons. For those who don't know, it's the lower house and the de facto primary chamber of the Parliament of the United Kingdom. So okay, the, the upper house is the House of Lords, but just so just like we know. expect Tommy to get to the House of Lords in season six. 
You actually, you know, that might be interesting. Maybe. What we need is an episode. We need a season six wager. We need to start making our wagers on season six before it comes out. So we need to start thinking about what those are going to be. I think by the end of this season, we have to come up with them. Let's think through it through this season to see where we end. Agreed. And place our bets. Agreed. All right, guys. It's a great start to season five. Uh, we're done with episode one. Episode two might be. I know episode one. I said like was probably the best pilot, or the not pilot first episode of a season in Peaky. But season, I mean, episode two might be my favorite episode of the season. Black Ooh. cats coming up on the next episode it of the Peaky Pod on Story Archive. Zach, do your do your absolutely. Thing. Thank you for listening to Peaky Blinders by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find them other places, but those are the main ones. Uh, and you can visit our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com, which brings us into our podcast network, themidnightexchange.com. You can also find the podcast there, uh, well, everywhere I just mentioned for the Peaky Blinders podcast. And if you want to send us an email, maybe you have a show suggestion, another TV show or movie that you want us to kind of do a watch along, a review of, or commentate on, or even if you're, you know, some sort of domain expert with anything happening in Peaky Blinders, you want to be on the show, let us know. We can maybe do a bonus episode. You can email us at podcast at com, And I think that'll about wrap us up. Okay, Zach, thank you. A pleasure as always. Uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode of the Peaky Pod. Stay peaky.